0: Welcome to Eclipsed, a Heroes podcast. My name's Rachel. And I'm Keisha. And today we are going to talk about the episode six months ago. We're
1: going into the past. Oh. Wow.
0: Did we forget to cover anything in the last episode or anything before we kick this one off that we want to talk about? I don't
1: don't think so. I, I think we pretty much nailed... What we needed to talk about last week, uh, just wanted to give people a reminder that if they haven't seen on their list of episodes, we, we have our first bonus episode up and we're planning on doing more. So, you know, stay, stay tuned to that.
0: We just launched the episodes today, Friday. We're recording on a Friday. We don't usually record on a Friday.
1: My, my work schedule is all over the place. So
0: <laughs> Here we are Friday at 9 p.m. recording a podcast.
1: It's seven thirty here. It's
0: oh.
1: here. <laughs> oh, time we're time traveling. We're time traveling like hero.
0: <laughs> we are. Oh my gosh. Okay. Speaking of hero mm-hmm. <laughs> Why don't we he is sort of the, the reason that we are six months ago. He is the main focus of the episode, really. Well, arguably. So Keisha was he's,
1: he's like he's like the narrative
0: reason why we're here, yeah. Yes. So, Keisha, why don't you tell us what's going on with Hero six months ago? Gladly.
1: All right. So, when we left off with Hero from the last new episode, Homecoming, we saw him at the end where he'd popped right into the Burnt Toast Diner in Midland, Texas to try to save Charlie from the bad man, the boogeyman, Siler. And he quickly realizes. That, oh, oh, okay. Oh, I'm here. I, I popped into the past. I'm- there she is. She's right there. Cool. Gonna save her. No problems. And he ends up in the photo that Ando later sees in the present about uh, Charlie's birthday. But it doesn't take long until he is talking with her and realizes, oh, no, it- it's not that she just can't go to work tomorrow. It's that he's six months into the past. He went too far. He didn't mean to. He just meant to warn her. A little earlier before Siler could get to her. So Hero is in the past with Charlie. And it's it's kind of cool because obviously she's a, a well-regarded character who's very charismatic from the moment she's go on, uh, she goes on the screen. And so now we and Hero get to spend more time with her. Which is cool. And that's pretty much exactly what happens. He ends up taking a job at the burnt toast diner. He's like a busboy, And it turns out in that great self-fulfilling time travel kind of way that Hiro's the one who got Charlie, the Japanese phrase book she was carrying around uh, earlier on when we first met her. So they're having like their little like fun, sweet, romantic time. And it's just, it's so good. I I really like Masioka and Jima Mays' chemistry. It's always been something that's really worked for the show. And so we get to see Hiro do all these nice, sweet little things for Charlie. Like, yeah, he gets her the book and he, he gets her a couple um bouquets of flowers. He's trying to prove to her like, oh, you've got a power and I've got a power. We have this in common and this is why you need to listen to me and I'm going to save you. And that's all there is to it. So it takes a couple of, I don't know, I guess like failed attempts And I think he finally starts to get her to realize not very long after he tells her about this really great Japanese, I guess, legend uh, that if a person, a single person can fold a thousand cranes, then you'll be granted one wish. And there's a moment where Hiro does that in an instant to Charlie. And obviously, you know, he stopped time and did that. And it's such a sweet, like, kind of magical sequence. Uh, It's got real Brian Fuller vibes to it. Um, I, I don't believe he did not write this episode, but he was a producer in season one. So, you know, I, I like to think that he might've had something to do with that part of it. Cause it screams that kind of like pushing daisies kind of vibe. Mm, yeah. That whimsical thing. So it's just like, it's a really nice, sweet little thing. And then, uh, there's, there's a moment, uh, later on where Hiro's just getting to spend all this time with her and he wants to take her to the draft house uh, theater in Austin because the man's got taste. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm jealous I've always wanted to go to there. and he's, he's gotten them uh, tickets as well to go to Japan. He's like, "Hey, I got you a ticket to Japan. You'll go with me, and you know we'll, we'll just get away from this, and you won't be here in however many months, and he won't, he won't end your life." and I'll have done a really great thing. But it's not just about him getting Charlie to stay away from Siler. This is like a sad destiny-fate thing because Charlie has a blood clot in her brain that could just go into... She could have an aneurysm basically any minute of the day. Uh, It's just like a matter of time. And it's so sad because Hiro's so crestfallen about this. They have such a great buildup and a nice little romance starting. And he's so disappointed and frustrated because it's like, he says, I'm supposed to save you. Like he did everything right. He went back in time. His power was working. He, you know, was forging this great relationship with her and he, and, and under normal circumstances, if it wasn't for her medical condition, yeah, he he would have saved her for now, but it's a good lesson for hero about, you can use your power to solve a lot of things, but not everything. Some things are really and truly going to be beyond your control. And she tells Hiro she loves him, and it's just, it's all just really, really sad. And they're about to kiss, and suddenly, Hiro winds up back in Japan again. And probably because of an adrenaline spike, he didn't realize he was going to use his power, and he did. He winds up back in Japan, and so that's that's how their story kind of comes to an end for now. Uh, I, I don't think it's too spoilery to say that this isn't the first time we'll have, like, a flashback moment where we get to see Charlie again. Uh, we, we do, because if you could have her back on, why wouldn't you? And I think that's what the, why the show does it, partly. It's much later on, though. And so he couldn't save her. And it's, it's it's interesting to see him deal with that different kind of frustration where it's like, no, it wasn't because I ran away this time like it was with the poker players in Vegas. This is just, yeah, some things are beyond your control even if you can do incredible things. So, yeah, it's, it's something that is a really good lesson for Hiro. And he ends up back in present day. And he's just like so, oh, God, the image of him walking into the diner and Ando's so stoked to see him. But then he's just like in the rain of all things and just really bummed out. He loved her and even though they're one of the best attempts at the show, having a traditional relationship they're they're very just doomed. And that's, that's how their, their whole story goes for now, at least uh, maybe we'll see something again. Cause I mean, you got a character who can do time travel, all kinds of things could happen, but uh, did you have any thoughts about the
0: hero stuff in Texas? Um, yes. Heroes as a show really loves the whole idea of, um, Free choice versus fate. Mm -hmm. And how much of destiny can we change? Even I think the Mohinder log of this episode is about destiny. Yeah. And another character later on talks about destiny. But they love to do it, especially with, with heroes time travel and with all of the paintings. Anything that is a precognition... Or um, Hero, it involves Hero going to the past. All those things they love to play with, like, how much of this was destiny? And how much did Hero, or did our heroes change? And, uh, like, in the episode before this, with the painting with Claire running on the stairs, but suddenly Peter was there. And, and as you said, Hero ends up being the one that gives her the Japanese phrase book. Was it always Hero?
1: Probably not but it's so hard to tell.
0: It's arguable because even in, there is in Hero's storyline in season two, and I will not go into it, (laughs) this idea of fate and destiny comes into play again on a larger scale. So, and also, I guess if it was Hero this whole time, perhaps Charlie's openness and wanting to be with him Makes a little more sense in the episode that they were together, you know, the couple episodes ago. So, I don't know. I just like to think about that. Like, how much was, in fact, preordained?
1: Yeah. Heroes is definitely a show that likes to play with those concepts. A lot of stuff that happens is very much fate versus destiny and the intervention of other characters into storylines that maybe they weren't a part of originally. But... Yeah, it all it all rubs up against that. So yeah, it's like it's like fate versus destiny, and heritage and legacy are big overall themes of the show. And I don't think anybody personifies legacy angst quite like our favorite Italian family in New York. Uh, Rachel, what happened with the Petrellis six months ago?
0: Well, six months ago, the Petrellis were having a party, but it wasn't one of Nathan's fancy fundraisers. No, it was a nice little celebration in Peter's apartment of Peter finishing his nursing degree.
1: Yeah, he's a nurse now.
0: He's a nurse now. And um, we come to him opening the door to his brother and his mother. And uh, Nathan brought him a nice pair of ladies nurse shoes. What an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) uh... He goes in with Heidi and his mom is like, you know, I always wanted a nurse in the family. There's too many lawyers. So again, Peter's his mother's favorite.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah.
0: Nathan drew the short end and was father's favorite, which we'll talk about more here in a second. So <laughs> we see Nathan razzing um, Peter Moore. and Peter saying, like, he wants to go into hospice nursing and he's like, oh, great. You're going to watch dead people. And Heidi's like, they're not dead yet, Nathan. Which, I love Heidi. She's great this whole episode.
1: She's such a light.
0: She is. She's just, She is a light in Nathan's life. I, I worry what Nathan would be without a woman like her. And, oh, we might find out. Um, (laughs) so Heidi leaves them, demanding a dance later, and Nathan drops the bomb on Peter that the DA wants him to prosecute Linderman. But if they prosecute Linderman, their father will go down as well, because he is Linderman's lawyer, and they used to call him a criminal (laughs) for protecting criminals. You can tell Nathan's having trouble with this, and even Peter is like, if you go after him you're never gonna forgive yourself because he's like father like son he went into being a lawyer as well and he's a prosecutor which i don't think the show ever explicitly said until this point
1: yeah it's very telling too that nathan would be a prosecutor and not a defense attorney yes says a lot about him
0: Yes it does. And Nathan doesn't get to think about it for too long because Heidi comes back and takes him away to dance. And but you can tell that this is probably weighing on Nathan further. And okay, this episode time is a little weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you could you could say that again. <laughs>
0: Um, Hero, at least with Hero, you can kind of tell days are going by, but the way that it's cut together, it's hard to tell how long in between each cut. And some people, it seems like there's no time happening in between their things. So I don't think this is directly after Peter's party, but at some point, especially because later he references his mother as watching the kids. So at some point, Nathan and Heidi Hyde- Oh,
1: yeah, it has to be because of that. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, You're so right.
0: It- Like, this could be a week later. It could be the next day. Mm -hmm. It could be two days later. We don't know for sure. Nathan is having a nice drive in a convertible with his wife. And he is bitching about Peter. (laughs) He's like, Peter is never going to understand what it takes to take care of this family. He gets to go off and be a nurse. I had to follow in my father's footsteps. And it's not my fault that I'm dad's favorite. And as they're talking and Heidi is trying to be like, you know, lay lay off your brother a little bit. It's fine. Relax. (laughs) A large SUV comes up behind them and starts ramming the back of the car as they're driving. Not great. So after a few rams, Nathan is suddenly gone from the seat because his adrenaline kicked in and he flew up into the air. And he gets to helplessly watch as Heidi screams and their car crashes into a median, and he falls down soon after that. So this is probably Mm -hmm. the first time that he got to experience his flight ability. It's pretty likely, yeah. Because it just kind of kicks in. I mean, it's possible we find out in another form like the comics or something that it wasn't, but I believe it was.
1: Yeah, there's there's a weird ambiguity to the manifestation and when it happens because it's so different for everyone
0: because when he yells for Heidi up in the air and falls who do we see but we see a hand reach up and Peter wake up and wake up from bed and get a phone call from Nathan and so Peter rushes to the hospital Nathan is a wreck you can he's got a huge cut on his head and he's like Heidi's been in surgery for 10 hours which wow it took you 10 hours to call your brother (laughs) Ten hours to call your brother. Okay. Sure, and... sure.
1: But, you know, Peter Peter is a lot. <laughs> and so, you know.
0: I guess. I mean, maybe Nathan yeah. was unconscious for a little bit. But I don't see why they would let him in that state be out there if he was. So. True. You know. Time's a little shaky there. <laughs>
1: hmm
0: and, um, Peter, of course, being a nurse, looks Nathan over and he's like, dude, you need to lie down. You are not good right now. <laughs> and then he's like, um, so who, who was driving the other car? And Nathan looks at him like, who told you there was another car? And Peter's like, well, I had like a dream <laughs> before you <laughs> called that There was another car. Wasn't there. And he's like, great. You're having these freaking dreams. Awesome. <laughs> Head in the clouds. So Peter. Head in the clouds. Oh, And um, Uh, Nathan eventually um, relents, probably because he's feeling like shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he got him in a vulnerable moment, for sure. Yeah.
0: Normally, he probably would have been like, there wasn't a car, Pete. Shut the hell up. Oh, yeah. So he got him in a vulnerable moment. And uh, he says it was Linderman's guys who are pissed that he's going to prosecute against him. And Peter's like, that is not your fault. It's dad's fault for being a whole part of this. And um, Nathan asks Peter if I take the DA's case- Will you give a deposition about your own father? And uh, Peter agrees. And it's kind of throwing the question that he has said to Nathan, like, could you ever forgive yourself earlier? But Peter Mm -hmm. seems to have a lot less of a problem with it because he says yes right away.
1: Peter's middle name is is fuck Arthur. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Clearly, he and his father don't have the greatest relationship, because even earlier in the episode, uh, Angela apologizes for Arthur not being there because he had to do something with Linderman, and Peter's like, he didn't pay for any of this, I did. He doesn't get to be at my party.
1: And he didn't want it either. So he's like, screw that guy.
0: Didn't need it. Didn't want it. So after they get, uh, after they're talking, the doctor kind of calls Nathan away. And we can tell he's been given bad news, which we know that Heidi's in a wheelchair. So she was paralyzed in this accident. And um, then we jump forward in time again. (laughs) And not enough time for Nathan's head to heal, but, you know, a couple days at least. And we see Peter getting dressed up in a suit and tie, getting ready to give his deposition. But then Nathan knocks at his door and tells him that their father died, that he had a heart attack this morning. And, you know, Peter's stunned. And Nathan's like, well, you know, take comfort in the fact that he didn't know his sons were about to stab him in the back. Oof.
1: I feel like, I feel like, you know, Nathan would be the backstab. Peter would be the frontstab. <laughs> yes. Like, Peter's, Peter's full on like, I
0: don't care. This
1: doesn't bother me.
0: Nathan has a lot more troubles with this than Peter does.
1: Yeah, because he's the favorite. And thus, you know, that everything's more complicated by that.
0: He's the one that followed in his footsteps. He's the chosen son. The golden child. Did everything mm-hmm. right. So do you have anything else to add about the Petrelleys that I might have glazed over? or
1: Not... Really like you pretty much said all the same things I did in my notes. Um I do like a couple things. I like when before the car incident occurs, when Heidi and Nathan are talking about Peter. I love that Heidi's like, he's just selfless and empathic. And Nathan is like, he's self centered and righteous. He's self righteous. <laughs> it's <laughs> like I just I liked that little word play and I liked that Heidi called him empathic. She she nailed it. She literally nailed it. Yes. Because he is. And then I just wanted to mention, I don't want to like go into it real hardcore or anything, but my God, the shadow of Arthur Petrole looms so large in this show.
0: (laughs) That it does. Like it
1: really does, man. And I feel like you don't notice it until you like have finished the show and you realize what's going to happen later. Sure. But they mention him so much in season one and you forget that.
0: Yeah. I think it's because they don't really mention him in season two, but watch me be wrong and they do. (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh god i don't even know man season two is its own special circumstance so maybe they
0: might they might
1: i don't know i don't remember could well be i i don't either i i have like a theory about when they might like when nathan might but yeah Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i mean peter's peter's a little too busy with other stuff (laughs) yeah she said with a grin all right um yeah no that that's that's all i wanted to mention
0: Okay. Yeah. The, um, those Petrelli's. So let's go on to, to Nikki in Las Vegas and we get some more backstory with Nikki in this episode. We kind of get to find out where Jessica came from. So let's get into that. Uh, we intro to Nikki six months ago, Las Vegas, and she is at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and we find out that she has been one year sober. She goes through her problems with like how, uh, she works a lot because Uh, D.L. can't find a job because no one's hiring an ex-con and um, how Micah is so smart he's failing out of school and how how good the bottle looks more and more every day but she is staying strong and while she's giving her speech she kind of glances back and sees a familiar face in the back of the room. We find out that this man is her father and he meets her outside of the meeting and he really wants to get to know his grandson and son-in-law. And he's like, I know I don't deserve it, but, like, I I really want to meet them. Will you give me a chance, you know? And she's like, it was, you know, you were absent. You weren't there for us. And she's not ready if she wants to get to know him. And then we jump forward in time (laughs) (laughs) to Nikki sitting in a graveyard. And she's looking at a grave that says, Jessica Sanders, beloved sister. And daughter. And Jessica was only 11 when she died. And so Nikki's at her grave. And DL comes over and meets her there. And sees that she's got a bottle that she's thinking about drinking there. And she tells him that Hal is back. Hal being her father. And she's torn up about it. Because... Hal's got money, and with that money, they could get tuition to send Micah off to that special school. And DL is 100% supportive. He's like, If Hal needs to go, he'll go. And he's like, But if you want to have him over for dinner, we'll have him over for dinner. He is 100% backing Nikki up on whatever she chooses to do. And so they decide to have him over for dinner. And so Hal brings over a present he brings Micah a laptop. And, um, I think he said it's not, like, the best model at the time, but it also wasn't the worst, and so DL makes a crack about how you did, he did cheap out with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I liked that.
0: <laughs> and, um, so Micah runs off with his laptop, and, uh, Nikki drops the bomb that, like, yeah, we're he's such a smart boy, and we're trying to move him into private school, and... He's like, man, if I could buy stock in that kid, I would. Anything you want, it's yours. So, you know, she's feeling good about letting him in the door. And um, he kind of pulls her away from DL for a moment and is like, you know, I know what I did, but I, you know, I'm glad you're giving me like a second chance here. And she's like, oh, you you were just absent. You didn't do anything. And clearly he did do something because he keeps looking at her like, you don't remember? what i did are you serious really and we get a little bit of a glance because um he goes to micah's room and micah has taken the computer apart (laughs) which for us we know he's like our little electronic boy yeah so he you know he could put that back together and he's probably making it better than what it was but he freaks out he's like that cost me two thousand dollars and he just starts yelling at him and dl and nikki come in to intercept him They're like, whoa, what's happening here? And he, Hal just has had enough. And he gives Nikki a check, which I believe is a blank check.
1: I think it was a blank check.
0: It seemed like it. And he's like, you know what? I don't know. You seem to not remember what's happening here, but I owe you more than can ever be repaid. Take this. And then he leaves. And you can see Nikki being a little confused still. And she looks at a mirror and then we get to see Hal's hotel room and there's Nikki knocking on the door and she comes in, but wait a minute. That's not Nikki. That's Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, comes right into the hotel room and he's like, you remember, don't you? And she's like, oh yeah, I do. I remember everything. So Hal is the one that killed Jessica. He did it on accident apparently, but he was a super abusive fuck. He would throw beer bottles at them, choke, choke them, and finally it went too far and Jessica died. And when Jessica died, well, Nikki got to be the new punching bag. But lucky for Nikki, this Jessica was there. And so she took every blow that he would give her so that she wouldn't have to go through with it. So this split in personality happened way, way long ago for Nikki. Mm -hmm. It just never became apparent until... Much more recently. So she would be the one that would take all of his abuse. So that Nikki could still be, uh, would be, um, saved from it. And she takes that check that he gave him. She shoves it in Hal's mouth (laughs) and is like, you're going to go away and never come back. Which he should consider himself lucky considering the things that we have seen Jessica do more recently.
1: Uh, yeah. She could have separated his limbs from his body.
0: (laughs) No, he got, he got a very free pass there. A very free pass. So he's very lucky. And that is where we leave the Sanders family. So, got any, anything to say about the Sanders family today?
1: So, yeah, it's interesting, like you said, to note that Jessica's been there for a while. But the Jessica that we know probably hasn't, because I bet you she didn't manifest until recently. That is true. As far as we can tell, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. I, I like how they handle it, where it's literally like, no, she's got memory lapses and time slips and it's, it's all the hallmarks of actual disassociative identity disorder, which she really does have. Uh, it's just the tricky thing now is that this personality has a power and Nikki doesn't know how to access it. So that'll be a bit of her struggle coming up. I bet uh, because Jessica, Jessica serves a really good purpose for protecting Nikki. But she goes too far. And she's kind of getting so, sick of it. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah, um, I think the only reason why Hal isn't dead is because Jessica knows that would really fuck up Nikki. Because to Nikki's mind, it's just the absentee father thing, like you mentioned. Like, she doesn't remember any of the bad stuff. Yeah. So I think that's the only reason why he walked away with his life.
0: Most likely. Her
1: consideration for her quote-unquote sister, but herself. <laughs>
0: Alright, so, but yeah, full disclosure, this episode, when you watch it, it is, um, difficult to separate some parts. Like, the first three that we just went to were very easy, they're very separate. Um, the rest of the story is kind of very interconnected, so we're gonna do our best here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Strap in! Yeah.
0: Strap on in. We get to see a car being pulled over in Los Angeles six months ago. And who is driving this convertible but Eden. And who is the one pulling her over but Matt Parkman. And (laughs) Eden has been drinking. And she also flat out tells Matt that this car has been stolen. Because he said it doesn't come back to her. And he's like, great, this lady's drunk. Please step out of the vehicle. And she's like, nope, you're going to go back (laughs) into your car and eat some donuts. And she does this to him twice, and he's like, come on, step the hell out of the car. And then she flips her power on, and he obeys. He stops, and he goes back to his car. And Eden looks pretty smug, but she's not smug for long, because who is standing in front of the car but the Haitian. So he takes her. We don't get to see it, but he takes her. (laughs) And the next time we see Eden, she is strapped to a chair with tape over her mouth, talking to my personal favorite, HRG. (laughs) (laughs)
1: see the thing is we had to make sure that we each got to focus on our favorite characters too
0: (laughs) (laughs) we don't do it all the time but this you know it's give and take Uh so next time we see eden she is strapped up mouth taped talking to hrg and he is listing off her charges uh and there's some doozies i think attempted murder was one of them or um Potentially she murdered someone.
1: Um, I think it was attempted.
0: Attempted murder. Yes. I didn't write them down. They, they go
1: into it in the comic. But... Yeah,
0: Attempted murder. And yeah. he's like, ooh, that is a doozy. <laughs> and he's really trying to get her on his side. He's like, I kind of have an idea for you. Like, you don't have to be this person you are right now. And again, this is a change from how we've seen the um, the company behave before with like Matt just being full on strapped down and forgetting. Same thing with um Ted. They Mm -hmm. both were brought in, tested, and released. And we've seen um, Isaac. This is more similar to with Isaac, where he's brought in. They need something from him. So he takes her tape off to hear a response, and she spits on him. Goodness, right on the glasses. Spits on him, and then full-on using her ability tells him to let her go. But unfortunately for her, the Haitian is standing right there. So he is unfazed. Cleans his glasses off, and he's like, well, well, Eden... Before this, there wasn't a person in the world that could say no to you, but now there is. (laughs) (laughs) And um, meanwhile, back in in Los Angeles, we have Matt, who is still under a daze from Eden's um, (laughs) directive, eating a donut. I demand
1: to know how long he was doing that. I demand it.
0: (laughs) Hours, seemingly, you know. (sighs) Yeah, Potentially even days of him in a daze. With donuts, oh. man. Can you imagine? Yeah. Right? Like, does it just keep getting them? And he gets snapped out of it because Tom drives right up next to him and uh, he's like, yo, Matt, your detective test is in an hour. And as we remember, Tom is the asshole that is sleeping with Janice and gets punched. And um, But right now they're buddies. Yeah, right now they're friends. And he kind of makes fun of him for being a walking cliche with the donut. And uh, Matt pulls it together. But again, we skip forward in time. And we see Matt at home with Janice. And Janice is in a good mood. And she's laying in bed. And she just wants to be all cuddly with him. So clearly this is before the marriage problems. And he drops the bomb that, like, I didn't pass the test again. which is This was the second time he took the detective test. Mm-hmm. and she's like you should just tell them the truth about your dyslexia and he immediately shoots that down he's like nope not gonna happen and um he's really down on himself when he hears her say well you're my hero and that's in her mind and um she tells him that he's everything she wants and even her building him up, he's still down because 11 years and he's still directing traffic. A taste of what we saw him doing in the first time we saw Matt, which I believe he was directing traffic outside that crime scene house. Uh, yep. So we get a, a little glimpse into Matt's life six months ago. Not much. Not too terribly important. Potentially the first time he heard, you know, actually heard something being said. But again, he probably just assumed Janice said it out loud.
1: Because he wasn't looking at her.
0: No, he wasn't. Because he repeats back to her, you're like, you know, yeah, I'm your hero. And she just, she doesn't make any big deal of it. So, again, that was it for Matt for the moment. So let's go back to Eden, who is still in custody at the company. And um, HRG is, again, trying to talk with her and get her to come on board with him. Like, Whatever is bad that happened to you in the past, it's over now. And you've got an opportunity here. And you can take my opportunity to work with us. Or, you know, we can put you back in your old life and odds are you'll be dead in a week if we do. Which, that's pretty bad odds. I guess maybe self-destruction would kill her in a week, potentially.
1: I feel like, yeah, self-destruction or even though she's really powerful, like, she could still fuck over the wrong person somehow.
0: True. True true that is very true and he he gives her a very specific task and I won't tell you what that task is yet <laughs> but he has something very specific in mind for her and um, that sort of sends her careening later on into people I'm sure but that's all we see for from Eden for the rest of this episode so Keisha why don't you segue us into one of the main focuses of the episode
1: where to even begin <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a journey to Brooklyn, New York, and we are going to zoom the camera in to a very quaint, very modest local shop called Gray and Sons, and inside of that shop is a young man, eh, late 20s I'd say, and he is diligently working at fixing a timepiece, now, I don't know if anyone's really realized who'd seen this for the first time, uh because he'd been such a figment of of, you know, the shadows. He'd been such a, a creature of the dark, if you will. And they do make a big thing about his hat getting removed at the end of the episode, like, "Ah, ah, ah, you see, that's the guy." Um, <laughs> but this is Siler pre-Siler. This is a quiet, unassuming watchmaker named Gabriel Gray, who lives in Brooklyn, or works in Brooklyn, New York, lives in Queens. And this is Zachary Quinto's time to shine. Even though he had his moments in Homecoming, again, he was in the shadows. It was all very, like, body language and all that. This gives him a chance to really flesh out this complicated, unexpected character. Because when the show was airing and when he was, you know, the character was still in the shadows, I don't think anybody could have really predicted that it wasn't gonna be some middle-aged weird dude or, you know, just just not what you would expect. It was it was kind of a big deal when he was revealed because it was like, oh, it's this young guy who's going around doing this. It's this young, like, conventionally attractive actor playing him. That was really interesting because we hadn't seen a lot of that on screen, especially not on like a major network. You got to imagine this is pre like streaming pre a lot of cable saturation. This was a really interesting choice. Like, Oh, okay. This guy, he's not what you'd expect to be this absolute monster for all of our characters. So they really lean into that in this episode. Uh, We meet Gabriel at his watch shop where he's just Doing his thing day in, day out. And he is visited by the one and only Chandra Suresh. Who comes in and immediately when he comes in, Gabriel stops everything. And he's like, wait, your watch is broken. And Chandra's like, my watch isn't broken. He's like, well, actually it is. He will actually (laughs) Chandra within their first five minutes of meeting. And if that doesn't tell you that this guy's going to be an asshole, I don't even know what could. So, (laughs) Oh, okay, so I I really, I really stuck on that rewatching it again. I was like, come on, (laughs) come on, man. So he takes Chandra's watch and immediately just, you know, holds it up to his ear and goes about fixing it. And it's going to run perfectly forever now. Trust me, it just is because he's just very, very good at what he does. And it's so funny because it's like, it's right there. It's right in front of Chandra from day one, moment one, what Gabriel's going to be able to do. But it's not that flashy or impressive. It's just like, oh, of course, he's a watchmaker. He can obviously just listen to this and know. But that that was it, man. That was that was why he's special. Regardless, we are going to go on a journey with these two. Because Gabriel is patient zero. He is the first person Chandra contacts when he gets to America, who's on the list that we saw Mohindra uncover, I guess. Uh, in India in the last episode. It's so funny how things could have been so freaking different if he just picked a different name off the list first.
0: If he would have went to Claire in Texas instead of New York. Anyone.
1: Nathan. Anyone. Anyone that he knows about.
0: DL. Charlie. Maybe there was a higher concentration in New York.
1: Uh, quite likely, because a lot of our characters are in New York, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, No, but he decides to darken the doorstep of... Gabriel Grey. And he sits there and they have a little conversation after Gabriel realizes oh you didn't come about the watch. You didn't even know about the watch. Chandra's like, here's the thing. I'm spearheading this research and I wrote a book. Here's my book. You should take this. Check it out. If you want to contact me, my information's in the dust jacket. You should totally think about contacting me because I think that you're the person I've been looking for. And I can't begin to tell you how much this just makes Gabriel swell up with not only confusion, but a, a growing and deadly sense of validation. So again, like Rachel said, this this episode goes all over the place in terms of the actual straightforward narrative of it. So like, let's, let's go ahead, and skip ahead a little bit. Don't quite know how long it took for him to get a hold of him. I imagine it was fairly quick. I imagine Gabriel probably went home that night and was like sped read that probably <laughs> was just, just blown away by it if we know anything about him now but we see that he gets a hold of chandra and he's at chandra's apartment where chandra is putting together the map and we see him putting Ethan on the map so it's like hey buddy there you are right there <laughs> and it's just it's always so funny to me how like nathan's always just like an impending doom for him do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like he's he's always on the lists and the maps and he's always getting you know contacted by dangerous individuals or what have you but he he manages to to forego a fate so many others uh suffer early uh for a long time for a real long time it's surprising because of how quote unquote vulnerable you might think he would be because like who, you know, flying, who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's not going to help him in a fight.
0: Like he says to Peter, (laughs) I don't know karate. Um, (laughs) So again, maybe Siler um, didn't want his ability for a reason. If you listen to the bonus episode,
1: listen to the bonus episode and find out why he didn't really care about Nathan until she got personal.
0: Okay. so um, Real
1: personal. Uh okay, so he's sitting there and Gabriel is at yeah he's at the apartment where Chandra's staying, and he's like oh are you gonna cut me open ha 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 ha, ha. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> it's just, yeah so um, oh my god so they have this cup, you knew that you knew this was just me like I was gonna go off so they have this conversation where they talk about the importance of the brain in all of this and uh chandra like hey man if the soul exists scientifically speaking it exists in the brain brain is where we're gonna be able to figure out all of this um we just need to run some tests they're not going to be invasive ha again um it's just <laughs> going to be simple you know you know, we're just going to do some monitoring. He's doing the same shit that they do later on to Matt at the company. Yes. He knows what to look for. Mm-hmm. So he's just sitting there like, this is what we're going to do. I'm excited to embark on this with you. And Gabriel is just, he's absolutely chuffed, if I may. he—he um, he just He always wished this kind of thing would happen. He always wished that somebody would come when he was younger and be like, hey, your family's not your family. And he, he just wanted to be different. He wanted to be special. He wanted to change. New name. New life. I'm gonna spoil the shit out of everybody here right now, and you can cut it. And I don't care. Um, this is all gonna happen for him <laughs> in, in season three, and it's not gonna go the way he wants. Um,
0: so. Oh boy.
1: Oh uh, I didn't say what though. Anyway, um, so was it was you? really funny hearing him say that now and be like, "Oh, well, someone certainly had you pegged real hard." Yeah, anyway, that was foreshadowing, um, wasn't it? It was, it was, uh, yeah. So anyway, we, we see as time continues to pass, we see Gabriel is tested any number of ways by Chandra and Chandra's not getting anything from it. His results have been very flat. He's healthy. He's normal, which is a four letter word to Gabriel always, but especially right now. And <laughs> It's funny. It, there's all these little moments that I've always noticed in the many times I've rewatched these scenes. Trust me, I've watched them a lot. And Gabriel just shows little parts of himself where you're like, this button down guy, regardless of powers, he was always going to have like a head in his freezer someday. Like, he is just, he's just so damn creepy and devious. And he has all these little tics and emotional cues that are. Very disturbing if you're paying attention to it. And Chandra should have been paying better attention to it. Like Gabriel goes on this whole thing about a part of Chandra's book about the evolutionary imperative of nature and how, you know, lions slaughter gazelles. Spiders eat their young. They don't want to. They have to. It's the hunger, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he's frustrated that Chandra's frustrated. And he's like, no, no, let's keep going, let's keep going. I'm so close, I can feel it. Like, he just, he he doesn't want to drop this at all. Because this is going to be everything to him. And it, it's, it's, that's the thing is, you know, it's like, yeah, most people would be mad or frustrated. Probably a little sad. He's clearly not sad. He's, he's getting angry and angrier by the day. And he's having a harder time not showing it to Chandra too, as we see in this scene. Um, So he flips out on Chandra and he's like, What? you don't think I'm special. You think these other people are special. And he grabs his folders and uh, there's a note, there's a post-it note on top of the file folders. And one of them says uh, a name, Brian Davis and an address. He's in New York as well. And he's like, what? So, so Brian Davis is, he's going to be like the important person. I'm not. And it just has this little bitch fit where he throws all the folders And Chandra's shocked. He is just like, Oh my God, this guy, (laughs) how weird that like the stranger that you just barely met would be like really violent. (laughs) Um, So, so he throws a fit and Chandra's like, that's it. You need to go. Like, this is done shutting it down, shutting it all down. And so Gabriel leaves in a real huff and he storms out of the apartment and he goes downstairs and he's on the street. And when he's on the street, he looks down and he looks at that address and he takes it with him because the post-it note was still with him. And he storms away. And it's funny because he came this close to having his uh, his second major ma- uh, meet-cute for the future. He and Bennett nearly crossed paths.
0: Damn. Nearly.
1: Damn. Oh, I wonder what kind of relationship they'll have later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he storms off. Bennett pulls up because it turns out that Chandra had contacted... Bennett about Claire, because Claire's name is on the list. And so Bennett goes and he has a conversation with Chandra. And uh they both have this nice moment where they relate to each other as concerned fathers. Because yes, Shanti is no longer with us. And and we find out that it was a genetic anomaly that killed her and it's what spurred Chandra on to do all of this. So he just he wanted to to crack the code, as it were, to To find these answers so that nobody would have to go through what he went through with his daughter, who he loved very much. And so they're having this nice moment where they're like, dad's relating about their love for their daughters. And Chandra, he really wants to meet Claire. Especially, I think, now that this whole Gabriel thing's turned sour so fast. And he's just like, oh, I gotta move on. Maybe Claire. And obviously Ben is concerned about this because he's very protective of her. So earlier on in the episode, we did see... There's, there's some Claire stuff where she's with uh, Jackie, who gets to appear again, because, you know, the fun of flashbacks, right? Mm-hmm. So Claire is in her bedroom, and Jackie comes in, and she is all kinds of excited for Claire, and she's got a uniform for her. It turns out Claire's not a cheerleader at this point. Six months ago, she was not on the team. but So Jackie comes in, and she's like... I've got great news. Lori Trammell has skanked her way through the entire football team and she's resigning from the team in shame. So now there's a spa on the squad and you can be a cheerleader. Now, I've seen this episode a lot and I've never put this together. And that's on me.
0: (laughs) Me either, though. Me either.
1: But Lori Trammell is the name of the girl that Brody raped who warns Claire about him. Mm Mm-hmm. So the only reason that Claire is even a cheerleader to begin with is because of what Laurie went through and how she left the team. That that was a huge discovery for me. I was like, oh my god. Because not only is it, in, again, very Fate and Destiny, it's such an interesting little bookend to Claire being the avenging angel, if you will, that wrecked Brody. It, it's such a great full circle thing that Claire got to do an amazing thing and she didn't know it was because of another person's suffering and had she known i i fully believe she would have you know yeah that's claire's claire's a very good person but yeah she got to do this cool thing because of lori and then later on in a weird sort of circular way got to get some sort of vengeance for lori and for everyone and for herself and i just thought that that was really interesting and worth mentioning because, yeah, I, I never put it together before.
0: And I'm sure that that is definitely what fanned the flames of as soon as she heard Lori tell her that. It's like, oh, this guy needs to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine the kind of guilt Claire might have felt, like, after she realized that had happened. So, yeah, this is how Claire joins the cheerleading squad. And Jackie's very Jackie about the whole thing. <laughs> she not only is like, haha, sucks to be Lori, It just doesn't even consider you know what might have happened uh she also gets pissy because claire doesn't seem as passionate about getting this opportunity as she feels she should and she should be more grateful about it so they have this moment where they fight over the uniform and claire her hand smashes through a piece of glass in front of a cabinet and it's all kinds of fucked up it's really bloody and really lacerated and it's yeah but worth noting doesn't immediately heal so this is very much in the early stages for claire uh and her power um so yeah just worth mentioning that because when bennett gets back from his trip and he (laughs) he gives he gives claire a stuffed bear which is the best. Aww. Uh, the bears of uh what is it the bears from around the world yes. he clearly has given her a bunch of teddy bears from all of his many business trips which is really great um in context it's like oh wow like that was a kidnapping that was probably a murder <laughs> like, you know <laughs> like it's he, he has he has that kind of job you know he's like a, like a CIA agent or something like all those bears mean a bad thing happened to somebody more than likely oh and it also could mean that some people were saved so super morally gray Yeah. yeah. so he, he gives her the bear and they have this little moment where um <laughs> I, I, I love this part so much where Claire's just like oh it's fine Jackie can just sometimes be uh and she just leaves it hanging and Bennett's like a bitch <laughs> I was like yeah a bitch and they have this <laughs> I just I just love their relationship so much um, but she shows him underneath the bandage her hand's fine mm-hmm. there's no scar there's no nothing so she did she did heal it just wasn't right away so he's immediately like oh shit even she That's was confused the by things. it yeah they both were like huh they both were <laughs> very confused like that healed up real good he's <laughs> going oh shit oh shit I said <laughs> oh no oh <laughs> no <laughs> I was so sure it was going to be you.
0: <laughs> you are the first one. La 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 la.
1: God damn it! Oh, I'm so mad. Oh, I'm so <laughs> mad. No,
0: no. I
1: was so sure you were going to do it first. Oh no! <laughs> because you always talk about him. God damn it! All right. Fuck! I was doing so ten episodes. I did so well. You
0: last That's that's actually pretty good, man. It really is because I've
1: wanted to say it so many times. Okay. <laughs> God damn it! All right, where was I? Um. Uh, okay. So. Oh, that I'm made so my night. Mad. I'm so mad. I'm glad. I'm glad I could make it. <laughs> right. So Mr. Bennett's really concerned now. On the inside, you can tell he's just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, because. Hello, look what he does for a living. Look how much he loves his daughter. It's all crafting together. So when we were speaking with Rachel earlier about Eden and the offer and all that that Bennett gave to her, he gives her an assignment. She has to get close to Chandra Suresh, and she has to get Clara Bennett's name off of his list, which, which brings it all around to when she was friends with, quote-unquote, Papa Suresh mm-hmm. when we first met her. So there you go. That's how she was planted. But... Let's go back over to Gabriel and what he's decided to do moving forward. It's like he had this thing dangled in front of him and then it got ripped away. And he's not going to go without a fight. So he's working in the watch shop again. And this time he's working on the watch. He's working on the Siler watch. And who should come in to the shop but this nerdy, nevishy guy who is Brian Davis. And he's like, somebody called me. My name's Brian Davis. Like, he's very confused. He doesn't know why they would get a hold of him. Gabriel stands up. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got a hold of you. And he introduces himself. And this is the first time that he uses his new moniker. He christens himself. Uh, First, Gabriel Siler. Because he can't just say, I'm Siler. He's not Cher. Like, it doesn't work. Like... um... (laughs) Only only later on through the context of everything is like, oh, yeah, and this is Seiler. And, you know, but right now we're we're still in regular people world where you have to have a regular name. And Gabriel Seiler, he says Gabriel Seiler. So he's inching towards what he's going to become. And he has Brian show him his ability. And sure enough, he is telekinetic. Uh, he's not great at it. He's real timid about it. Not really that into it. And he doesn't want this. He wants to know if Gabriel can fix him, if he can he can do something about this. He doesn't want it. He wants it to go away. He just wants to be normal. Oh, that is a slap in the face to him. Oh my God, does Gabriel never want to hear people say that? And so he's insulted that he would want this to go away. Who would want to be normal? That That's like a big thing throughout the show too. Like you see it with Claire, you see it with him, you see it with other people. It's just like, who would want to be normal? And we've talked before About how I feel like it depends on what your normal is. And Gabriel's normal is not great. It's just very average. It's just very unimportant. Yeah. It's just very bleh. So obviously he would want something else. And he goes to Brian and he's looking at him really closely. And it all just sort of clicks. And he's like, you're broken. And Brian's like, what? He's all confused and scared. And still, like, in the presence of this dude. Which, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I was always wearing, like, like, Brian, what is what is wrong with you? Like, I don't want to victim blame, but goddamn, like this is a weird situation. <laughs> so he says he can fix it. Good news. He can fix it. And so he's walking around. So he's behind Brian and he picks up a paperweight and he says, you know, that he's broken. He can fix it. It's an evolutionary imperative. And he strikes Brian down with the paperweight killing him. And immediately he grabs his glasses, the kind with the multi-lens that he would be working on a watch with. And he immediately is setting to work because, you know, we know that Siler needs to, he needs to see the brain at least. And he cracked himself a good hole. So <laughs> I like to imagine that he wore the glasses the first couple of kills that he had.
0: <laughs> just probably. to help him
1: out. Um, before he probably went all like Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man and was like, oh, I don't need these. Because <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, like, that's the thing is he doesn't have the glasses later on. He, You know, mm-hmm. his eyesight clearly is better. Um, but yeah, so that's what happens with Brian Davis. And it's so funny because Chandra lets him back in. <laughs> he, he meets with him again, Gabriel's all kinds of, I'm really sorry that I freaked out the other day, et cetera, et cetera. Just really full of apologies but acting really weird. Like, I, I always was just like, man, Chandra, this guy is not on the level. He is not. You know, I, I think he was just getting, you know, so frustrated that when he finally saw something in front of him, he just threw it all aside and was like, oh, this is great. This is validating my research. It's the same damn thing his son's going to do <laughs> with the
0: same person. Oh, <laughs> like, yep.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So mild spoiler, but yes whatever Uh,
1: (laughs) oh okay so there's this way that oh okay so he he shows chandra what he can do and gabriel is moving a glass with his mind and at first it kind of wibble wobbles and he's like oh it's skittering across the desk it's doing it he's like brian davis and then it zips off and it breaks against a wall And if that one thing isn't just an unbelievable amount of symbolism about Siler, I don't even know what. Mm -hmm. Like, not only is he, has he taken a power and is better at it than the person who had it, because he embraces it. But the violence, it's got a lot of anger in him, and he lashes out. And it's very that. It's very, he can't just move the glass across the table, he has to smash it against a wall. Like, It's so, oh, I've always loved that so much. It's so simple, but so, like, it just, they get it. So he stands up and he's looking over at the map and he's like, we are going to do great stuff together, Chandra. Because Chandra's real, he's getting, you know, real crestfallen. He's like, "Ah, people don't believe me. They're not answering my calls. I can't meet with anybody. This is so, you know, annoying and Gabriel's like no 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 don't worry we're going to do some cool stuff together we're going to help everybody just like you know people people on the list we're we're going to help all of them we're going to help them figure it out like how you helped me figure it out it's going to be great i can feel them and he's so oh my god the body language that Quinto uses he's so menacing he's so not the guy in the cardigan and the side part hair from the first scene. He holds himself completely differently. Everything has changed at this point. He's standing up straighter. He's moving smoothly. His facial expressions. like Yeah, I, I can't say enough. Don't worry, I'll try. About <laughs> what a casting coup Quinto is as Gabriel Grey. The show is so damn, like, they should be so grateful that they found this guy and gave him this role because he propels so much of the show. Like he's just such a damn highlight. There's so many good actors on the show. There are, but he just, he just makes this show his bitch. <laughs> and, and it's like, he does. And it's because he goes from just being a guest star to later on a series regular. And that's not a move that everybody makes. And so do other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do similar things uh, in terms of having great performances that you can't deny. And you want to see more of them. But yeah, this was a, this was his first, like, huge gig. Like, he'd been on 24, he'd done some other stuff, but this was, like, the thing. This is the reason why you know this guy's name, is because of the show. It, it, there's this great moment where he's like, yeah, I can feel them. And Chandra's like a little gulp, and he should be. But, as we know, they absolutely had their time together, which... I want to mention, uh, in the previously, which isn't really a previously, it's just Mohinder Log with scenes from the past episodes, they play the Siler tape again. And this time, it's uh, Zachary Quinto having dubbed it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it all, that just makes it all perfect. It's like, oh yes, this is him now. It's not a stunt guy. And Maurice LaMarche, this is him. So, Yeah. It's uh it's pretty great. We we get this whole great villain origin story that is not only a cool origin, but it's gonna lay down some serious foundation for eventually maybe there are worse people out there, maybe there are also bad people out there, maybe the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Maybe. 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 Did you have any, any thoughts or anything?
0: I have a I have a little thought. All this just a little okay. bit. Um okay. Do you think that the company might have at some point wanted to recruit Chandra?
1: I mean, when you look at how Bennett interacts with him, it would have been ridiculous for them not to have tried.
0: Yeah, he.
1: It's like we. It's like we mentioned. He. He's on the same path. He has solid science. He has good theories, and he's testing them in a very similar way. Yes. And he might even be further than them in a lot of regards. So mm-hmm. I don't see why they wouldn't have tried. They just didn't get the chance.
0: Yeah, Siler kind of cut their chance short.
1: Which, yeah, you know, it's like it's like we were saying. Um, which, let's relate this back a little bit to the Bohindra dream. Does it all make sense to you guys now? Why Shondra died the way he did? Mm-hmm. And why it's so different from all the other victims? Because mm-hmm. it was personal. And you can see it now.
0: And... We don't get to explicitly see their pure fallout, I don't believe, do we?
1: No, we don't. We don't.
0: Uh, we're we're at a high right now with their relationship, even though oh, you know. But mm-hmm. there's still about six months between then and uh Chandra's death. Probably more like uh, four or five.
1: Yeah. yeah, at least like four or five. So there's definitely uh the time where <laughs> where they you know, they must have been going and visiting people and then whoop, those people are ending up dead. <laughs> I can only begin to imagine how much more creepy and menacing he got just talking to Chandra like a person, like as he got more powers. Like, oh yeah.
0: Oh look, I can do this now. If, I don't think he sh- he wouldn't show him. He wouldn't show him. If if Chandra even got a chance to talk to these people, it would yeah, be like no we're about yeah. to go to meet so and so, and oh my god, they're dead. <laughs> oh,
1: whoops. we're about to go yeah. meet so
0: and so. Oh lord, they're dead too. I mean, why does this keep Chandra, happening?
1: He should have been in fucking hiding, man. Like we swish apartments, bud. Something. I'm just I'm really ruminating on it now. I'm like, hmm <laughs> like what what would that have been like to like,
0: see? It's because yeah. there's like a lot that they didn't show and that leaves a lot open for, you know, fan theory and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, I I've great. read in a
1: number of fanfic that involve the fallout between them and how it might have went down.
0: Yes. Yeah, so.
1: But we don't we don't know exactly but we can assume that bodies started popping up. Mm-hmm. And he started getting weirder. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, I'm <laughs> not denying it. He, he has no chill.
0: No, <laughs> the,
1: the young man has no chill. So
0: again, listen to the bonus episode where we discuss his lack of chill. <laughs> yes
1: we, we we start off with a simple question and it just spirals into just talking about him because I, I, I promise that not all the bonus episodes will be about him, but no, some are gonna be. So
0: that was my fault because I mentioned it and then I was like, wait, this is great bonus episode material. So we <laughs> oh got an hour out of it, just about so 30 minutes, 30 minutes, but we talked about it probably for an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think
0: that's probably what I'm thinking of. Yeah,
1: um, do you want to mention anything about when we get back to the present and the stuff we see? Because there's only like two things worth mentioning, really.
0: Yeah, we do go forward, but it's not like I wouldn't say I think the only like New thing would be like the full face reveal of Siler.
1: Yep, yep, it's the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> because <that.
0: laughs> yeah, because I feel like the list is a lot yeah. from the last episode. I don't know if any of that is new footage of Mohinder looking at the list, other than it maybe not... a better look at the list for us.
1: That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, it's a better look. Yeah, because it's just a full like tight shot. But and then yeah, they they have the shot of the hat coming off as he goes to sleep.
0: Yes. So. Because when hero came back to the present, we came back to the present.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's that's the episode. Uh, a- anything else to mention? Yeah,
0: I think that's it. Uh, listen to the bonus episode. <laughs> if yeah, you have check it. out the
1: bonus episode that we mentioned quite a bit.
0: <laughs> if you're not afraid of spoilers, because we do talk a lot about it. And if you have any ideas for potential bonus episodes, you want to see us delve into specific characters or parts of the fandom or stuff, you should get a hold of us. You can email us eclipsedpod at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet at eclipsed podcast and you can also join our discord the link will be in the show notes i think that's it for this week do you agree keisha uh
1: yeah i also i have a i have a poll going around on uh oh yes the poll it's it's in our it's in our discord i i will tweet it under the eclipsed account as well um just just wondering do you think siler was a dog person or a cat person (laughs) <laughs> no answers yet, sadly, but I know it says it eight up.
0: votes. Does it? Eight votes, dude.
1: What the fuck? Okay. I'm so bad. I'm so bad at social media this week. Eight Hold
0: votes. On. It is 75% cat person right now. That seems right. And 25% dog person. So six people oh said cat, God. two people said dog. I voted cat, so I'm one of those six who people. Who the fuck
1: said dog? It doesn't let you show who voted, does it? I don't it? think
0: it does, no. I just clicked on your tweet oh. and saw. Yeah. I That's
1: did cat. Buts.
0: Yeah, we'll update you in the next episode if anyone else um, <laughs> votes on this.
1: Yeah, and so help me God, if you say that Gabriel would be one type of person and Siler would be another, I'm not not doing that. He's one person,
0: guys. He's one person. One dude.
1: It's extremely clear from this point forward. Like, holy crap! <laughs> I'm only mentioning this because it was such a thing in the fandom. That uh, because Nikki and Jessica had their thing going on, and people were like, "Oh, Gabriel is so different from Siler. No, 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 no. It's the same dude. It's all the same dude. He's yeah. We could really clear.
0: We could probably talk for an hour just on that, going point by point of why they are the same, <laughs> why there is no split. It is just that's who he is.
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, I won't say all the bonus episodes will be about Siler, but a lot of them probably will be, and that is easily a topic I could go into. So yes. Anyway.
0: Is Siler a dog or a cat person? Please let us know.
1: Is Siler a dog or a cat person? It's it's in our Discord, and we will link the poll in the uh,
0: notes. We'll retweet the, on uh, the, um, we we retweeted it on the closed the cast Twitter yeah. as well. Yeah,
1: Yeah, what she said. <laughs> All right, this is, <laughs> this is us signing off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really badly. All right, uh, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will we'll see you next time on Eclipsed. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time on Eclipsed, Matt gets a nosebleed because he's a telepath in pop culture. Isaac has a meet-and-greet with another of his biggest fans. Claire gets to meet her hero. Peter has a really bad dream. And Siler, he makes friends wherever he goes. Tune in.